So my message uh, today is, it's called, Is God Your Number One Priority? And the word that God has for us to share is, although we, we have our busyness in our own lives, we have a lot going on, but what God wants us to understand is if we allow him to become our number one priority, a lot of the issues, a lot of the problems, a lot of the sicknesses, a lot of the concerns, a lot of the pain that we go through, we won't go through. And also, he wants us to remember the reason why we're here. And so what I want to share with this ministry today is to help us to go back to our why. Right. We want to go back to our why. I think Sister Gail talked about the mission statement. And how ironic was that because God wants us to remember why are we here. So this is a message. It's a warning message. And it's a serious message. But I believe after we get through it, I think that we're going to go back to why we're here. We're not just saved to be saved. We're, yes, we're going to be saved and go to heaven, but there's a mission that each one of us has. And I believe if we take the time to spend time with God, oneness, and have a close relationship with him, then we will know what our missions are. We will know what we were designed and born to do. And we will do with excellence, and we will do with urgency, because we are living in serious times. And enemy is really good at bringing distractions in our lives. So we're going to go back to our why. And why we are here gathered every day on a Sunday at 3 p.m. Amen? So we say that we love God. And although we genuinely believe we do love God, if we want to be honest with ourselves, our actions at times say otherwise. And even though we do deal with a lot of life circumstances, and our life circumstances have hindered a lot of our intimate relationship with God. Yes. And although we all may not get to the perfect fellowship with God, we should at least be striving to have the best relationship we can with him. And if we are to be honest with ourselves, then we will discover that many moments when God has not been our number one priority, it has been saddened to him. Because the whole purpose of our existence is to worship him and have an actual relationship and you'll be amazed what you've been missing out on life because we don't have a relationship with him a lot of the things that we do on our own efforts if we just have that relationship with god he will take care of a lot of the things that we have allowed ourselves to become burdened with this is a distraction from the enemy because the last thing he needs from any one of us is to get close to God because he's going to be afraid of what will come out of each one of us and what we'll be able to do and the impact we have in our own lives, in our family's lives, and in the people that we are responsible for. So if we say we really love God, then he should be number one in our lives because we naturally, we naturally prioritize the relationships we value the most. Yes. And since love is an action word, it is not only what we say, but it's also what we do. So if we say that you love someone, if we say that we love God, then it should be shown in our demonstration. It should be shown in our worship. It should be shown in our praise. It should be shown in how we treat each other. It should be shown in our attitude when we come into the house of God. It should be shown in our love with each other. It should be shown in our support. It should be shown in every area of our life that we truly are 
people who love God. And we're going to show because it's only through our lifestyle. Some people will never see Jesus but through you. There are people who will never come into church. They'll never have an opportunity to come into church. But you can be the church they see. And you could be the reason and the one that brings their, that person to salvation. So when we look at the Bible, uh, in John chapter 14, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. So let me ask you this question again. Is your love for God real or is it something you've gotten accustomed to saying, but deep within, he is no longer a priority in your life? Because it sounds good to say it, but like anyone who's been married or who is married and who's ever had a relationship, you know it's very hard to really demonstrate the love for the person because it takes a lot of sacrifice. But God, if God is our number one and if he's our strength and if he's our answer, then he is worth the sacrifice that we have to go through. And he's worth the sacrifice that we have to go through in this ministry to make sure that the world knows that God exists and his love is real. And if God is truly who you love, then where's your passion and desire to see people get saved? Where's the urgency in our lives where we want what God wants? And we want what God wants more than anything, even above our own needs and desires. And what God wants is to turn many to righteousness and to see many repent and accept Jesus Christ as Lord so they won't spend eternity in hell. And most importantly, for people to understand his love and that God willingly chose himself and became a sacrifice just so every one of us who was and ever will be born will be brought out of darkness into light and so that we can be saved from eternal suffering. But when we abandon our position or assignment, and when we allow our lives and our, busy, our businesses, our careers, or our relationships to become more important than our relationship with God, then God is no longer your priority. He can't be. And some of us have allowed life's distractions, life's demands, and busyness of life to become more important than our relationship with God, and more important to, what, to us than what God wants. But let me ask this, why is our, our relationship with God so important? Because our relationship with God is what will allow us to be able to influence many people to both the knowledge of Christ and to salvation. And you and I are the ones that God has given the assignment to save people from hell. So let me talk about hell for a bit. Because I think sometimes we forget the reality that hell exists. It's a real place. And many souls are going there in numbers that we can't even, even calculate in our own mind. When I was in prayer with God and he brought this back to we, we get so distracted with everything that's, that's happening to us, but we forget what Really go, we forget that place is a, a place that really exists. And if we are not the ones to win the souls, then a lot of people are going there. And 
our assignment is not just for ourselves, but also to win as many souls as possible to the kingdom of heaven. So the scripture gives us a real vivid sense of what hell is. And once the reality hits that this place is real and that many people are being sent there daily, it should spark a compassion with us, not to only assess our own lives, but also to tell everybody about Jesus Christ and his love. So in the scriptures, we see that hell is a place of full of fear. This is why God always reminds us to fear not, be at peace, remain calm. And but, but imagine for a moment being in a place where you are constantly frightened in fear, where there's terror and darkness and everything is just gloom and doom, and it's the norm. And some of us have a tough time just watching scary movies and the nightmares we get after watching these movies. But compared to hell, that's nothing. And also tells us that hell's a place where you not only feel fear and death, but you literally feel sin everywhere. It's not just something that you see, but it's something that you can actually feel. And if you've ever struggled with any form of addiction or any form of depression, then you understand what suffering and being in a dark place really feels like. It's like you fell into a black hole and you're trying to crawl yourself out. And you're doing anything to be relieved, but it feels so much easier to just succumb to the darkness that's coming or that's around you. And you do anything just to feel free. But that is paradise in comparison to what hell is really like. And also when we read in the book of Mark chapter 48, it tells us that hell is a place where worms are everywhere. And also tells us it's a place where the fire never stops burning. And it's a place of intense heat. Just imagine being burnt alive but never dying. I'll never forget this story during the September 11 attack. And this man said as he was looking up, he saw people just jump into their deaths. And one, survival, one survivor had a conversation. He said the intensity of heat was so bad that he would rather jump to his death than to sit there and feel the burn. But yet hell is worse because you can't die. That is the last death. And then Revelation chapter 14, verse 11 tells us that it's a place where there is no break from torment. And have you ever experienced chronic pain, headaches, where you just want that break of release? Imagine being in constant pain. And if you ever experienced chronic pain, then you know it's almost paralyzing when you're in that intense pain. And it's a place of hopelessness there's no longer mercy, there's no forgiveness, because that door will have already been closed if you end up there. Now, these scriptures are not meant to only scare you, but warn you. So now the question is, if you don't want this for yourself or your loved ones, then why would you want this for someone else? We really don't, but when we have the opportunity to save others from ending up at a place like this, and you don't, then what are you really saying? When God becomes your number one priority, then saving souls will become your number one priority. We read in John chapter 21, Jesus, this is a familiar passage, told John to feed his lamb, take care of his sheep, and to feed his sheep. So when Jesus says to feed his lamb, he's saying to us leaders, us preachers, us speakers, anyone who he calls to look after his people, that they should be continually taking care of other people. And taking care of someone doesn't only include physical or tangible provisions. It also means taking care of the most important part of us, 
which is our soul and our spiritual walk. Now, as believers, we should be maturing. Our lives should be lives where we are growing, where we are evolving, where we are improving, and we should be living lifestyles that influence other people and show other people a better way to live. But sadly, our priority has shifted from wanting what God wants to wanting what we want. So therefore, God no longer is no longer our priority, and the needs and the wants of the people both in the church and out of the church are not being met. So people are living their lives in deception. They're unaware that their current lifestyle is taking them to an inescapable place because we do not prioritize God in our life. So our mission while we're here on earth is not solely about us. It includes other people. And your life should cause people to want to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior for themselves. And when God becomes your priority, then you will be given the, the ability to do the impossible and help as much people as impossible. But the key to this is your to this type of success is your oneness with, with your oneness with God. So we should be our life should be including where we are seeking God. We want to get as close to God as possible and do not stop till you get there. Fight through the hindrances, fight through the obstacles. Fight through the forces that will want to get in your way. Because when you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. And when you knock at his door, he will open it. So one way to know if God is priority in your life is by evaluating your gifts. Are your gifts active or are your gifts dormant? And whenever, um, whatever gifts God has given you should be used to bring God glory. And if it's not then God may not be your number one priority because we should be individuals who become carriers of his glory. So if you have the, the gift to sing and minister, then use this gift to usher in the presence of God so, God so God can touch the hearts and heal those who need to be healed, free those who need to be free, and amend those who need to be amended. And you should come in on Sundays with praise and worship stirred up in you, ready to unload the essence of God and his glory. So God could permeate into this atmosphere. Our worship should be in complete honor and praise to God. Worshiping God should be like an assembly where you just see a group of us, a group of people gathering together in one place for a common purpose. And that is to make sure that when he comes, not only is he come, but that he's pleased as he comes in our weekly services. Now, I don't know if we realize how much God loves our worship. I remember God showed me a vision of, of how it is when we worship him. And I remember when he showed me this, is, he said, anytime we worship him, whether it's group or individual, it's like you just get his attention. It's like he could be moving around, but all of a sudden he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like it attracts him, and it literally draws him to that person or to that service. So if you're going through trials and if you're having problems in, in life, worship shifts, shifts our focus from ourselves onto God. And when this happens, right in the midst of your worship, you'll come to realize that God is the one who can solve the problem. So worship will literally make your problems seem so far away 
And that's one of the benefits when we truly praise and worship God. And also, if you have the gift of hospitality, then use the gift to show kindness and make people feel welcome, included, and loved in their ministries. People are looking for a place of escape. It will amaze you of what people suffer through in life. You'll be amazed when you hear the stories of what people go through in their lives. And we have a place and a chance to make people come into our house where they could feel like they could escape. Escape from the dysfunctional life that they're in. Escape from the broken homes that they may be involved in. So where they can actually feel God's love and they can feel God's peace. Every Sunday, our services should be a place where people could come to escape and be set free by, by being in the presence of God. If you have the gift to teach, then be confident and disciplined and see that people need to be taught God's word. The Bible is more than a book. It is more than a book of do's and don'ts. It's the change in power from God over our lives. And it has everything we need in life to sustain and to function because there is power in God's word. It's power to change. It's powerful enough to deliver. It's powerful enough to heal. It's powerful enough to do every and anything that you need for you to live a victorious life. And when we read the Bible, we have to remember that the Bible will transform the very way you think and it's going to transform the very way you live. We know it brings physical healing to the body, but it also brings mental health to our soul. The Bible is true. The Bible is accurate. The Bible is precise. The Bible is constant. The Bible is error-free. It's alive. It has substance. And it's the way of life. When you make it the bedrock of your life, you won't break, fail, or you'll never fall. And when the scripture becomes priority, your passion for teaching will be stirred up because you know God's words are full of power, it's full of wisdom, and it can defeat the kingdom of darkness. If you have the gift to preach, then preach with urgency and preach with intention. God is coming, and people need to hear the message that would draw them to salvation. Your appetite to preach should keep you up at night as your heart fills the heart of Jesus and has the hunger that he has for the souls of people. Preaching should not be an afterthought. It should be a forethought. And when it becomes a priority, you'll become like Paul and you become like Jesus. When Paul said in Acts chapter 20, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of Jesus' grace. And if you have the gift to foster and take care and mentor young people, then you need to put them first. Just like Jesus prioritizes us, we should be prioritizing our young people. They need us, and we need them. Church should be a place where they feel belong, because not every young person comes from a healthy environment. And it should be our duty in this ministry and any other ministry you're a part of to make sure that they feel belong here. And when we think of our ministry's future, our young people should be top of the list. So let's no longer fail our young people. Let's no longer fail, let's no longer fail our youths because 
while we are haphazard or not serious with them, the enemy is very serious with drawing them away from God. And he's causing them to be hooked on all type of things, not just drugs. And he's, he's messing with their validation. He's messing with their identity. And he's causing them to commit suicide. And he's, and he's attacking their identity to where they don't even know what to call themselves. This is not a joke. This is the time we live in. And these are reasons why we must take our gifts and our weekly services seriously. And if you have the gift to lead the woman's department, then elevate women into being who they were created to be. Yes. We as Christian women should be the most sought after woman on earth. We should be the entrepreneurs. We should be the wealthy, the most beautiful, not just physically, but also in our personality. Right. And we should be the most anointed, a powerful, intelligent woman out there. And men should look at us as the benchmark and the standard of what to look for in a woman. So since this is a Woman's Sunday, I want to stay here for just a bit. Because I want to remind us, as Pastor Marcy already did earlier, as women, that you are more than what society has categorized you to be. We are all familiar with the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 31. And when we read that book, we see what God says that women are diligent. A woman... As women, we can wear a lot of hats. We are mothers, we're sisters, we're friends, we're daughters, we're teachers, we're entrepreneurs, we're speakers, we're encouragers, we're lovers. Whatever needs to be done and whomever we need to become, we can do it earnestly, carefully, and skillfully. Also in Proverbs 31, it says we have intelligence and wisdom. And if you're a child of God, then it's in you. It may take time to develop, but it's in you. And we know how to fit in different roles. We are problem solvers. We're leaders. We're role models. We're protectors of our family. We can discern, which people call women's intuition. And especially when it comes to our kids, we notice if there's anything wrong. There's just a special thing about women when it comes to their family. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, women are needed. God said it was not good for a man to be by himself. So God saw a man's loneliness as a disadvantage, Bishop. <laughs> and he looked at a woman, Lady Christina, and he saw a good thing. And he placed her in the companionship of a man. If you really listen, sometimes I listen to how some men really describe some of their ladies. And if you listen to a man who knows he has a prize for a wife. Listen to how he speaks about her. It's like she becomes his number one. And he, not only she become the most important to him, but he realized the value that she is in his life. And he understands that his purpose in her life is to enhance, to support, to protect and make her better. And that she's more than a person that can maintain a home and have kids. She's more than that, that she's part of his destiny. And another thing I want <laughs> another thing I want us as a woman to realize too is that we are strong and that we are resilient. And as we just finished celebrating Women's International Day on March 8th, both myself and Sister Marcia's birthday, we can see how far women have come and the struggles that we have faced. So it is in us naturally to cope and to adapt to whatever environment or situation we're in. 
And as I wrap up this part about women, I want as, as women to be proud of ourselves because we're more than a mere existence. You came here to earth with significance and you came here to earth with purpose. So the next time you look in the mirror, see yourself for who you are, not what society says, not what others say, not even what you say, but what God says. Amen. Amen. So back to the gifts. If you have the gift to lead the men's department, then see how important the men's ministry is needed in encouraging men to be their best selves. And to not only become the head of the home, but also become the spiritual leaders in their home. I believe we forget that men have feelings too. And our men are being neglected. And our men are being misunderstood. So being able to have a place where they can bond and be in a place where they have the godly principles is paramount to the livelihood of our men. So this is why it is important to prioritize God because the world needs you. When we look at the world, we see that the world needs change, the world needs healing, the world needs help, the world needs saving and much more. And you have what it takes to solve the world's problems. Yes. Now, it's not from your own strength or ability because by yourself, you will never be able to do it. God, it is God who is effectively at work in you, strengthening, energizing, and giving you the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. So when you put God first and allow God to have his way in your life, you'll never regret it. But when you don't put God first and don't allow him to have his way in your life, that's when you're going to start to have regrets. So whatever God, whatever God has ordained you to do, and whatever God has commissioned you to do can never be stopped by anyone but yourself. Your life's purpose is the bedrock in being successful in every area of your life, even in your life's calling. And your life's purpose is your individual life story. And inside your book includes you being impactful. So whatever you're assigned to do, whatever you're born to do, will happen because whatever God says about your life and whatever God promises about you has to happen because it never comes back to God without first carrying out what it was sent to do. It will prosper in the things which God sent it. In other words, nothing can ever stop what God says about your life from happening. When we look at the book of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then we read in Matthew chapter 24, 24 verse 20, 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass. So we may not see things happening immediately, but don't quit especially in this ministry. We have gone through a lot, but God is saying, do not quit because his word is true. He cannot lie. And what he promised and said will happen. One thing life will guarantee, and that is problems. And it'll guarantee obstacles. And we are faced with many things that get in our way, whether it be people, whether it be circumstances, our finances, the economy, or even sickness. All these barriers can impede our progress. But if we learn how to maneuver around these interferences in life, we will reach our goals. 
And there's something about a mindset that says, no matter what obstacles I run into, I will not quit. It will help you when you need solutions, how to get through challenges. And also a winning mindset stays laser focused on the goal and does not allow the problems they are surrounded by to cause them to lose focus or give up. But let me get back to the theme of the message and let me ask everyone again. Is Jesus priority on your list? Is our job more important than what God asks us? Have we depended on our businesses, our finances, and put those first instead of dependent on God? And are our relationships more important than the relationship we have with God? Everything we have and will have comes from God. But sadly, the very thing that God blesses us with is the very thing we replace him with. But we have to remember that God is a jealous God, and nothing should ever be replaced. Nothing should ever replace him. Nothing should ever come in place of him. None of our businesses, our cars, our homes, money, land, nothing should replace our relationship with God. So if you're not using your gifts, then people who come into this ministry are not being fed and their needs are not being met. Most importantly, we should be influenced our other people to want to have their own one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And if you're not using your gifts, not only are you not getting anything, but if you prioritize God in your life, the gifts that God has given you will allow people to get their needs met, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to be served, whatever answers and healings, because at the end of the day, God needs, people need God, and this is the place where they can get them. Now, once we allow God to become priority in our life, then church will no longer be business as usual. Amen. We have here in this ministry what it takes to win many souls to the kingdom of God. And I will echo what Dr. Marcia Dahl said, our guest speaker, last Woman Sunday, when she said we have the tools available to make it happen. So we have the tools to, satisf to satisfy God's number one desire, and that is to save lives by bringing people to salvation and helping people to live the life they were destined to do. Now, the number one priority in your life should be to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God and to value your relationship with him to make him number one. God should be number one in our lives, not somewhere down the road at number 10 or number 8, or whatever number we consciously or subconsciously place him. But his interests, his hearts, his heart's desire, his agenda, his will should also be ours. So if you, if... If we really think about it, it is an honor when God chooses us. Right. You and I, it's an honor when God chooses us and endows us with gifts and abilities to serve and do his will. Because he sees you as capable. He sees you as valuable. He sees you as honorable. He sees you as important enough to fill his purpose on earth. And when we understand the power in our gifts and their purpose, then we will have a different attitude when we come into his house on Sundays. It will no longer feel like an obligation or a weekly social gathering. Instead, it will turn into a burning desire to see God's presence manifest in our weekly services, where our church becomes a very place where, where people can get impartation, they can get healed, they can get free. They can be free from bondage and defeat free from mindsets and attitudes that hinder them from coming into a greater degree of God's glory. Our church, our church should be a place where people can find peace, 
where they could be delivered, they could feel love, they could have hope, find purpose, and be immersed in God's power. And if we allow God to be our number one, then this is not only how our personal life can be, but this is also how this ministry can be. If we want to experience God's holiness and power, our weekly services, and our everyday weekly services, then God needs to no longer be number two, three, or four, but he must move to the top of our priority list. But where is the zeal? Where is the fire, the tenacity for the things of God? Where has the vibrance, the energy, and the joy of God gone? What has become more urgent in our life than God? Sunday after Sunday, we should be experiencing a greater and greater display of God's glory in our ministry. We should want the praises in our services to become contagious. The music should be so high, and I don't mean in noise, but in the anointing, and so elevated that it influences the very atmosphere to prepare the way for the Lord to express himself. When we understand who we have or who we have become, that God has not only saved us from hell, but gave us a new nature and gave us an assignment, then your attitude will change when we come into the presence of God. You would want to worship him. You would want to worship God into, because of his love. You would want to worship God because of his mercy. You would want to worship God because of his grace, his joy, his protection, and the goodness in his life, in our lives. He is God. I think we forget that. He is God. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's the redeemer of mankind. He's the one who sits on the throne and reigns over our lives. I believe strongly that churches should be putting hospitals out of business. I truly, genuinely mean that. Everywhere a church is planted, a hospital should be closed because of the delivering power of God. What are we saying as a ministry when we have so many churches in one location, but people are still sick? What are we saying? Because, again, God has not become our number one priority. Everything else has gotten our attention but the Holy Ghost. When you become saved, you become a new you. And I believe this should be enough for us to celebrate and be excited. And when we think about heaven, and we read the scriptures about what God reveals to us about heaven, both angels and saints are continually engaged in excellent, joyful service. No one is lazy. No one is ever bored. They're all actively rejoicing and celebrating his presence. They are continually glorifying God and doing the things God ordained them to do. They're happy. They're never sad. And they're always praising God. And this is how our ministry should be. God has a better life ahead of us. He has a better life ahead waiting for us to enjoy it. And we should want everything or we should want everyone in on it too. We should be sharing our life's glory with the world. And when we read the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Being born again or being a new creature means that you have died to your old selves, that the way you used to think, 
the way you used to act, the way you used to behave, and the way we used to treat each other, and the, and the way we, used to, we should no longer hold on to the past, but instead look ahead. There should be a change in our attitudes, and there should be a change in our lives. And when that happens, we'll be like what Job chapter 8 verse says, and then our lives, excuse me, and though, and although the beginning was small, your latter days would be great. So this new way of living is trusting in no one and nothing but God, not even yourself. But having a relationship with God can be exciting, but you'll never know how exciting it is or how exciting it can be until he becomes your priority. Just when you think you have reached the pinnacle of his expression of love for you, you realize you haven't even begun. And what you experience with God is so satisfying. And when you wonder if it's possible to get more than what you're getting, you'll soon discover how possible it is. But is God your number one priority? And if he's not, then make that change today. Now, it's okay and safe to put God first. Because the Bible tells us when we put God first, he will take care of our needs. He didn't say just some things. He said that he will take care of everything. Listen to this. You will never want for yourself better than what God wants for you. Never. Never, never, never. And God will never ask you to do something for him and you not be rewarded for it. That will never happen. But when you make self-driven efforts, self-seeking efforts to secure your future, you're cutting yourself short. We wear ourselves out trying to create our own accomplishments. But when we depend on God, we will still achieve success, but we'll have peace. You're not missing on opportunities. You're not falling behind. This is a deception from Satan to bring distraction, fatigue, frustration into your life. Just align yourself with God's purpose and then function from his grace. The book of Psalms 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So let us commit ourselves to do what we're here to do. We want to start doing the work of the Lord with a glad heart and a heart that loves God and a heart that wants to serve God. No labor is in vain when it's done for God. So let's no longer do ourselves a disservice and instead let God, let's get all of what God has for us. Every time we meet in our services should be an unfolding. We should be excited to come into the house of God, not feeling tired, not feeling burdened, and not feeling distracted. We want, to get ex we want to get excited and working for God while we're here on earth. People should be lining up outside, waiting with expectation to come into this house because of the awakening of God that they would receive. People are looking and searching and in need of the very thing God has gifted this ministry with. But we have to get back to our why. Why are we here? Why are we here at 3 p.m.? every Sunday. There are many other things that we could be doing, but we have an opportunity to be at a place where people can have a taste of what heaven feels like. Those who need deliverance, whether it be those who are addicted, trapped, wrapped up in all type of perversion of any sort, and those who have character flaws like gossips and fault finders and criticizers, 
those with broken spirit and those who are dealing with depression, all these people will be drawn to the altar of God to be set free. This should be the norm in our services. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, so, so it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So let's get, ex- let's get expired or inspired. Not expired. Inspired. <laughs> Pastor Winter. Let us get inspired. Uh, let us get uplifted because we are the church. And where many people should be coming in to be transformed, to be saved, to be revived, and to get their needs met. But not only do we need unity and oneness with God, we also need unity and oneness with each other. We need to show each other love. We need to be giving each other support. What each one lacks, if you have that missing piece, or you have what they're lacking, then be there for them. We should build each other up, not turn each other down. God has put us together in this ministry so we can make each other stronger. If we remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were young men who literally changed the law because of their unity. So what more can we do today since we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us? And when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 27, you will see that we were designed to complement each other and to be a perfect union. So this ministry should be a place where people are not only supported and promoted, but where we are constantly maturing spiritually. There is power in oneness, and this is, the, and this is why the enemy fights against it so much. And the irony is that although the enemy fights against unity, the enemy and his camps is they're actually united. But he's united in his evil, sadistic agenda. Satan is afraid of unity because he knows we are stronger together than apart. And there is power in oneness, and fear comes into the kingdom of darkness when people of God unite. But the enemy will use things like anything to cause division. Simple things, too, like competition or jealousy or what someone said. He wants us to hold on to the past grudges, past grudges and to hold on to unforgiveness. And then there's some of us who are driven and fueled by praise, and the enemy knows this. And when we're not praised or acknowledged, we don't want to do our assignment. But we have the ability to disrupt and destroy the plans of the enemy when we do things together and in complete agreement. And it is only through us joining together as one force will we bring revival in this ministry. Togetherness is the key. We need to be together in prayer. We need to be together in worship. We need to be be together in studying God's word. And we need to be together to make sure that our assignments are being done in perfection in this ministry. It is only by oneness and force were the enemies, or I should say, were the armies of God in the Bible able to defeat the enemies? And it's only by force and togetherness will we defeat our enemies in this ministry. What we do is not our job. It is our responsibility to Christ. 
So let our Sunday services no longer be business as usual. And let us do the assignment that God has given each one of us to do with excellence, order, urgency, and joy. And if we remember the words of Jesus when he said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, and behold, I come quickly. This is a warning, and this is something we really should take seriously. And he also said, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Not just our own reward, but the reward of the testimony of those redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe this is the best reward that we can ever have. When we see people saved, free, and delivered. So in closing, I want to encourage us both in our personal lives and in our public ministry to put God first so we can experience his joy and his peace and to have salvation beyond what we can imagine and to have an impact in your life, your family's life, your community, and your ministry. And I want us to quote a scripture in unison. So if we could just open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And all those who don't have a Bible, I encourage you to share with someone who does. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I want us to be in agreement when we read this word. Anybody have it? Amen. All right, I want everyone to read this together. And it says, For we are Let's say it one more time. Let's say it one more time. I really wanted to sink in. Amen. Let us remember this is what we are created to do. That God has designed us and created us and structured us to be the ones that he's used to do his work, to do his ministry. And he prepared each one of us in advance. All of us have a a particular calling in our lives. And I believe it's important that we spend time with God to find specifically what he asks us to do. Because if we're doing the things of God, it will be effective. It will be successful. And if you're doing anything else out of God's will or line, it gets iffy. It may not even succeed. But if you really want to experience a life of full purpose and success, it has to be done God's way or not do it at all. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I ask that you help us to never forget our number one priority. And I pray that we no longer be uh, irreverent in your house, but instead come with a mind and a heart and a soul and lips ready to worship and reverence you because you're holy. And that, Lord, help us to understand our assignments and gifts in this ministry. And help us to see that it is an honor that you have chosen us to minister to others in these end times. Lord, let our Sunday services never be the same again. As you give us the heart and desire that we need so we can be and serve you and serve others effectively. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, for your grace. But it's only through your grace can this ministry be what you have called it to be. 
So, Lord, let us no longer be lazy, bored, or unconcerned, but give us the joy and ignite in us the passion in us that this year and every year going forward, people will experience the power of God in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.